standing please number 365 number 365 are you washed in the blood i hope you can answer that with an amen 365 have you been to jesus for the cleansing power are you washed in the blood of the lamb are you fully resting in his grace this hour are you washed in the blood of the lamb are you washed in the blood in the soul cleansing blood of the lamb are your garments spotless are they white as snow are you washed in the blood of the lamb are you walking daily by the savior's side are you washed in the blood of the lamb Rest each moment in the crucified. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed? in the blood of the Lamb. Will your soul be ready for the mansions bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb on the last Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are 
people said amen Amen. praise the lord Uh, let's turn over to number 502 Uh, if you don't know me i'm pastor lee paulman from mastic beach new york uh, bayview baptist church and uh been here before some of you know me some of you uh, maybe don't uh, but we're glad to be here tonight your pastor is as you know in canada taking the men up there and uh so praise the lord good to be with you tonight 502 stand up Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross, lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss, from victory unto so much uh, for uh, this wonderful church. We thank you for uh, Pastor Montoro, and we just pray you'd bless him and the men of the church, Lord, as they're uh, at this preacher's meeting and on the road traveling, Lord, would you give them safety? Would you bring them back uh, safely as well? Help them to uh, get a special blessing by being at the meeting, and just uh, we pray for each preacher that will be preaching at that meeting, as well as the preaching tonight. Father, would you help us? Would you be glorified? In everything that takes place here tonight, every motive, every thought, Lord, you know the heart. And we just pray tonight that we would, the worship would be real, the prayer would be from the heart, uh, not only the preaching, but even the response to the preaching, Lord, would be just exactly what you want it to be. And Father, we pray for these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Let's turn to number 621. We'll let you stay seated for this one. 621.
612, I'm sorry, it's wrong on my little menu here, number 612, sorry about that. He keeps me singing, and again, you can stay seated as we sing. There's within my heart a melody, Jesus whispers sweet and low, fear not I am with thee, peace be still. Across the broken strings, stirred the thumb of chords again. Sing it out. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my life with love. Keeps me singing as I go on the fourth. Though sometimes he leads through waters deep. Trials fall across the way, though sometimes the path seems rough and steep, see his footprints all the way. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go on that last. Soon he's coming back to welcome me Far beyond the starry sky I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown I shall reign with him on high Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Sweetest name I know Fills my every longing Keeps me singing singing tonight and uh, amen let's take our bibles and turn to the book of exodus chapter number three exodus chapter number three do you all stand in this church for the reading of the word or do you not do that you can all right let's go ahead and stay on the read god's word i don't know i, don't, I guess you don't do that normally in this church we do in ours so i'll uh force you to do our tradition tonight Exodus chapter 3. Most of you are familiar with the story of Moses and the burning bush, so I'll not read the entire chapter, uh, but I'll read uh, just a few uh, verses from it. And so beginning at verse 1, Exodus chapter 3, the Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of, the bu of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Jump down to verse number 9. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, God says, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. 
Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be the token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they, sh and they shall say unto me, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Chapter 4, verse number 1. Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appoint, appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the, by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers... The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time spent in your word tonight. And Father, as I have um, labored in the word and prayed, Father, for what you would have me to preach, Lord, I very strongly feel impressed of you, Lord, that this message is exactly what you'd have me to preach tonight. And Father, if that is so, then it must be that uh, someone, one or more, uh, have need of this message tonight. And so, Lord, would you work as only you can through your Holy Spirit. And, Father, I can't preach uh, apart from your help tonight, and so I'm asking for that. And, Lord, just have your will and your way uh, in the message and through our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Two trees stood together in the same forest. One was cut down and used for firewood. The other was cut down and ground into pulp and made into paper. The paper was selected by Thomas Jefferson, and on it, the Declaration of Independence was written. There was basically no difference between the two trees. Yet one was used to accomplish great things, while the other, frankly, was not. Why is it that God uses some men and women to accomplish great things for him, and others he does not use that way. Is there any real difference between one person and the next? Really, no. Not really. Both are mere pieces of clay. Both are sinners. And yet God does use some to be vessels of honor, while others he doesn't use. Well, if you're here and you're saved this evening, God can use what you are and what you have to accomplish great things for him. And I want to preach about that tonight. And I want you to see tonight that the only thing that God asks from us is a willing heart. That's what God asked for us. And so simply two points tonight. First of all, God used Moses' person. He used Moses' person. Notice that God chose Moses for a great purpose. In chapter 3 and verse number 4, it says, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. 
And he said, here am I. In verse 4, it specifically says that God called Moses. God commands all men to live for him, but God does call certain men into his service. He calls certain men to preach. Uh, he, uh, he, had, he had a plan for Moses' life. I'll say this, he's got a plan for everyone's life. If you're saved tonight, God has a great plan for your life. And while God chooses some to preach, he has another plan for other people's life. But in Moses' case, God called him, and then God commissioned him to do a work for him. And God, through Moses, was going to accomplish a great thing. He wanted to lead the children of Israel out of bondage and out of Egypt into freedom. Well, I want to say tonight, there's a comparison here. Because God has chosen us for a great purpose as well tonight. And while he calls some men to be preachers of the gospel in our day as well, he calls all of us who are saved to be witnesses of his saving grace. Amen. He does. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen generation. We have been chosen by God. Like Moses, we have been commissioned by God to accomplish a great thing. You say, what great thing? Well, Matthew 28, the Lord said, Go ye therefore uh, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you. Like Moses, uh, God wants to bring people out of spiritual Egypt. Amen. He wants to bring them out of this world by faith into freedom in Jesus Christ. Now notice Moses' estimation of himself. After God gives them this great task, down in verse number 11, chapter 3, verse 11, Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, there was a day, 40 years earlier, where Moses would have thought differently about the matter. As a younger man, Moses would have said, You made a good choice, God. I am the man for the job. I've got a good education. I've got the know-how. I can do what you've asked me to do. As a matter of fact, at one point, Moses did try to deliver his people in his own strength, in his own flesh. And the Bible says he killed um, an Egyptian, he killed a man, and then he realized he was not able to do such a great thing by himself. Well, now Moses is 40 years older, he's 40 years wiser, and he says, when God says, you're going to lead my people out of Egypt, he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? He was broken, he realized he was nothing. He realized his own insufficiency. Moses didn't think he was capable of the job that God gave him to do. In fact, he knew he wasn't capable. Well, Moses was right when he realized that this was an impossible job for him. But he was wrong in that he forgot who it was that was asking him to do it. Amen. You see, Moses wasn't talking to just anybody. He was talking to God. And in verse 12, God says to Moses, certainly I will be with thee. Like Moses, the Lord has given us a great job to do well, to do as well. He has given us a great commission. Go ye and teach all nations, baptizing them. Uh, we're to do great things for God. Uh, and like Moses, you and I are equally incapable of doing that in, our, in and of our own self. But here's the good part. God doesn't ask us to go alone. He promises to be with us. For the Lord said, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Just like he told Moses. He said, Moses, I'll be with you. I've given you a great task to accomplish. It's greater than you are, Moses, but it's not greater than I am, God says. And Moses, I will go with you. 
Well, by this time, Moses' mind is running at about 110 miles per hour. He's thinking of every excuse in the world why he can't go and do the task that God has given him to do. And he says to God, well, what if the people don't believe me? What if they ask your name? You see, Moses had to learn the same thing that the rest of the children of Israel had to learn. He had to learn that God is sufficient even when we're not. And when Moses asked God his name, God responded this way. He said, I am that I am. Tell them, I am have sent you. What was God trying to convey with the name I am? Well, God was simply saying this. God was saying, I exist. I am the self-sufficient one. You see, everyone else has a time where they did not exist. God created man, and then man procreated himself. We all uh, came into existence due to the force of others. Uh, but, But there is not a person here that someone else is not responsible for. And yet God was not brought into existence by an outside force. God always existed. Everyone else has certain needs. They need food and they need uh, warmth and need things like that uh, without which they could not exist. God, uh, we need shelter from, from the cold. We need water and all those things. And without the, we need those things to exist. Without them, we would cease to be. But dear friend, God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need food. He doesn't need water. doesn't need shelter. Or he doesn't need anything. He is the self-existing one. And he is the self-sufficient one. And, and our, materi- our material needs come, uh, come from the world that God created. But even before this world was created, God was. And long after this world ceases to exist, God will be. For it was God that brought it into existence in the first place. See, God is all-powerful. He is self-existing. He is the self-sufficient one. And Moses says to God, I am not able to do this. And God says, I am. Later on, Moses would say, but Lord, I'm not eloquent of speech. God says, I am. And Moses says, I'm no leader of men. And God says, I am. What is the reason for you not serving God? Somebody would say, well, I'm no teacher. God would say, I am. You might say, I'm not rich. God says, I am. You might say, I'm not strong. God would say, I am. Whatever you are not, dear friend, God is. God's callings are God's enablings. And if God has told you to do something in the pages of his word or God has spoken to your heart and God has called you to do something, friend, you can't do it in and of your own strength. But in God's strength, you can do it. God knows what your weaknesses are. He knows what your shortcomings are. He made you, don't forget. And he used the likes of Moses and he'll use you tonight as well if you'll let him. The only ability that God is looking for tonight is availability. That's the ability that God wants you to have. Availability. Look at the great commission that he has given us. You say there are so many that are lost and there are so few of us who are saved and it is not even possible for us to reach the entire world for Christ. You're right, by ourselves we cannot. But God has promised to go with him and friend, with him all things are possible. Well, not only did God, was God able to use what Moses was, he was also able to use what Moses had. 
He not only used his person, but second of all tonight, God used Moses' possessions. He used his possessions. Now let's make one thing perfectly clear. Moses did not own many possessions. He left the riches of Egypt back in Egypt. He watched his father-in-law's sheep, the Bible tells us, so the flocks that he herded, they weren't even his. As a matter of fact, if you own a pair of shoes, the clothes on your back, a stick, and one other item, you own more than Moses did. Now Moses is standing before God. He is still looking for an excuse not to serve God. And Moses says, but the people will not believe me. And Moses still didn't get the picture. God wasn't asking Moses to accomplish great things for him. God was asking Moses to let God accomplish great things through him. So God says to Moses, Moses, what is that in thine hand? Moses had been watching his father's flocks and he looks over and he says, well, it's a rod. And God says, Moses, you take that rod and you cast it on the ground. And the Bible tells us uh, in chapter 4 and verse number 3, uh, it says he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from before it. You see, God can take the ordinary things of life, a simple staff, a simple piece of wood. God can take the ordinary things of life and do extraordinary things with it. Now, there was nothing special about that rod. It was just a piece of wood. It was one of Moses' three possessions, amen. And yet God took it and he did the amazing with it. And now God asked for some faith on Moses' part. Here's the rod. It's thrown down on the ground. It becomes a serpent, one that was scary enough that Moses fled from it. And God says, Moses, I want you to exercise some faith. I want you to take that snake by the tail. Normally, that's a pretty good way to get bit. But God wanted Moses to trust him. And the Bible says Moses uh, picked up that snake by the tail and it turned back into a rod. Later on in verse 17, it tells us Moses, uh, God says, you take that rod and I'm going to use it to deliver Israel. Well, God did use that rod in many amazing ways. You read through the book of Exodus, it became a serpent before Pharaoh, and it gobbled up the other serpents that were there. Moses touched it into the Nile River, and the Nile River became blood. Uh, the rod was stretched out later on, and the plague of the frogs came. Again, he stretched out his rod, and the lice came, and so on and so forth. The rod was used to bring thunder and hail, and then locusts. Uh, uh, later on, Moses uh, uh, stretched forth his rod. And God divided the Red Sea. And the people of Israel passed through on dry land. Was there anything special about this rod? Absolutely not. But the great God of heaven used something so small, so common, so unimpressive. He accomplished great things through it. All because Moses was willing to let God use his possession what he had. After all, that rod didn't really belong to Moses anyway. In God's grace, God allowed it to come into Moses' possession. Truth is, whatever you have tonight is only yours because God's allowed you to own it. In James 1 and verse 17, the Bible says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no var variableness nor shadow of turning. Everything that we have tonight comes from God. 
And everybody has some gift from God. The Bible says some have maybe five talents, some have two talents, some perhaps have only one. But everyone has something that they can use for God. It may not be much. What did Moses have? Just a rod. A seemingly small, insignificant thing. But how mighty it became, how mightily used it was when it was committed to God. It would do us well tonight to ask ourselves the same question that Moses was asked. What is that in thine hand? What do you possess? What has God, by his good grace, allowed you to own? Maybe you have a little bread. There was once a little boy in the Bible that had five loaves of bread and two little fishes. He committed it to the Lord, and the Lord took this very ordinary boy's lunch, and he multiplied it, and 5,000 people were blessed because of it. If a little bread is all you have, commit it to the Lord. Maybe you have a little time. That's something in our possession. Too many people don't have enough time because they watch seven hours of TV a day. I just read recently, that's the national average for Americans. That's shameful. But if you commit your time to God, you'd be surprised how much he could accomplish through you. How about your life? You have that. Someone has said, only one life to live, and soon it will be passed. Only what's done for Christ is that which will last. One of the great regrets of so many older Christians that I've met and people who got saved in their later years, one of the greatest regrets of so many older folks is how they wasted their life. Because once you use your life, once you spend it, you can never get it back. So commit what you still have to God and let him use it. What is that in thine hand? Have you got a family? God gave you that. Have you committed them to the Lord? In the Bible, Hannah committed herself to the Lord. Then she committed her son to the Lord. And Samuel grew up to become one of the greatest of the prophets. What is that in thine hand? What possessions do you have that God could use? Do you have a house? A car, a spare bedroom, commit it to God. What do you have in your hand? Do you have an income? You say, yeah, I don't have much of an income. I probably couldn't give more than $5 a week to missions. It seems so insignificant. It seems so small. You mean kind of like Moses' rod. See, God doesn't need your money, but God does want your heart. He wants your heart. You'd be surprised with what God could do with $5 a week. It may not seem like much to us, but with God, all things are possible. Take a look at what is, that, what is in your hand. Be willing to commit it to the Lord. I'm not asking you tonight to give anything that God doesn't ask you to give. But instead of giving excuses for why you don't serve God and why you don't give to missions and why you don't tithe and why you don't do this or that for God, instead of giving excuses why we don't serve God, how about being willing to put in God's hand whatever he has put in your hand and watch him use it in a marvelous way. Do you realize the rewards in heaven for just having that kind of a heart? You're saying, Lord, all that I have is yours anyway. My life, my children, my family, my house, my possessions, it's all yours.
We serve the very same God that Moses did. He is the great I am. The self-sufficient. The self-existing one. Moses wasn't much. He didn't have much. But he gave it all to God. And God accomplished great things through him. Friend, if you will commit all that you are and all that you have to God, I guarantee he will do great things through your life. Let's stand together. Father in heaven, I pray that you would, as you've challenged us from your word tonight, to be a Moses. Moses knew he wasn't much. And Lord, we're not much either. We're just sinners saved by grace. Pieces of clay. But Lord, you have a great plan for our life. If we'll be available to you. Father, may we commit all that we are. Even though it's not much. All that we have. Even though it may not seem like much. May we commit it to you. And let you use it mightily for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As the piano plays. You come tonight if God has spoken to your heart. Maybe here you just need to commit your heart to the Lord. Say, Lord. I'm not much, but if you can use me, I'll let you be, I'll let myself be used. I have an apartment, I have a house, I have an income, I have this or I have that, I have a driveway, <laughs> Lord, I'll use it for you, I'll let missionaries park there. What have you got? What is that in thine hand? Would you commit it to the Lord tonight? He won't let you down. Half the people in New York City might take advantage of you if you just said anything I have is yours. God's not going to do that. God's going to take it. He's going to multiply it. He's going to bless you. That boy who gave his lunch, he got his lunch that day too. Along with $5,000. Give it to God. You'll never, ever, ever be sorry when you come tonight. Here when you're not saved, we'd love to take this book, the Bible, Jesus Christ and salvation tonight. That's the beginning of a Christian life. Would you come and be saved tonight if you're not saved? Just come down the aisle, look me in the face, say, preacher, I need to get saved. I'll have somebody take you aside in front of the pages of God's Word, show you how you can know for sure you'll go to heaven when you die. How about it tonight? Would you come? Salter, you come. Let's just sing along. Only trust him. Page 301. Come, every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Only trust him. Save you. He will save you. He will save you. 
Let's uh, bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the decisions that were made tonight. Father, we pray that you would be glorified in all that is said and all that is done. Father, in every response tonight, uh, Lord, would you take all that we are and all that we have and just, Lord, let us commit it to you for your great work. There is, no, there is none greater. And Father, use it to get glory for yourself. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you for being here tonight. And uh, we appreciate you being here. We are dismissed. Amen. Amen.